taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of classic apologetics. This is the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your hosts, Brian Chilton and Curtis Evelo, as we step into the arena of ideas. Taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of classic apologetics while taking Christian truth into the arena of ideas. Uh, this is the Bill Tor Christie podcast, and we're coming to you from Pilot Mountain, North Carolina, and Ronan, Montana. Um, we uh, want to thank you for joining us on Season 6, Episode 4. Today we're going to be talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. This is Brian Chilton, and we welcome on with us the one and only Curtis Evelo. Curtis, how you doing, brother? <laughs> hey, Brian. Uh, it's good to be here. Uh, man, uh, this this fall weather's uh, up here been pretty nice. I know uh, well, you guys are going to get a shot of some nasty stuff here pretty soon, but we're okay. So, Yeah, they talk like, uh, well, last night, I don't know what happened. They weren't, to my knowledge, even really forecasting it, but we got about two and a half inches of rain and a huge storm that came up this way and then (laughs) next week uh it's supposed to be down in the 30s and we're supposed to get some frost freeze it's a good thing those two things didn't come together (laughs) yeah no kidding oh my goodness (laughs) but there are signs that uh winter is definitely on her way and uh it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting winter if it's starting off you know, we've got a lot of rain. We've had a lot of cold snaps. It's going to be interesting to see what this this uh, winter holds. Huh. Yeah. So that's good. Um, we uh, we've been having what is it? Uh, you know, about sixty five to seventy degree weather, and you know, basically sunny and forty degree nights. And I mean, it's been like the perfect fall up here. It's un- unreal. Awesome. Yeah. So, yep. But today, um we are we are entering into episode 4 of our of our series that we've got. It's the work of the Holy Spirit is what the title is today and we've been having I mean, some of the stuff we've lined out so far, Brian, we definitely could have gone deeper and gone further and actually spent um several episodes on each and every one of them but i think today right now this podcast right here the work of the holy spirit i think is probably the most um you could say practical practical application and understanding of what um what we have today yeah and that i would dare i would dare say not only this podcast but really even next week's as well these sure. two are should be very practical in what they have to offer uh, as to where the rubber meets the road, quite frankly, right. uh, in our walk and relationship with the Holy Spirit. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting, um, you know, uh, it's interesting to me how there are certain things about the Holy Spirit that we actually um, will go through today um, that actually bring basic commonality to um how we function and how we do how we work things how the church is developed how things are you know just things grow in general um as a christian faith Absolutely. so yeah so let me just go ahead and get off on the first um 
question here um get off this uh highway and just turn down this road and uh i'm hoping it don't lead into too big of a rabbit trail but <laughs> but uh let's well, if go it with does, the, we'll, we'll, we'll follow that trail where it leads right exactly so uh question one here is what work did the holy spirit do in old testament times well there's really quite frankly a lot of things we could uh discuss um, when it comes to the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, um, on one on the one hand, you see, and we've mentioned this before. We've talked about uh, the whole issue of creation and how the Holy Spirit was actively involved in creation. Um, Genesis one two gives us one of these one in uh, such an example. It says now the earth was formless and empty; darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Uh, so in this case, we see that uh, um, the Spirit was very much actively involved in creation, um, bringing things together, bringing substance to the nothingness. I mean, bringing, if you really think about it, bringing creation out of nothing into something and uh, and and forming order over the chaos even uh job twenty six thirteen talks about how by his breath or by his spirit the heavens gained their beauty his hand pierced the fleeing serpent so we yeah. see that the spirit was actively involved in all things in creation uh, we're going to come back to this next point here in a few moments but we see that the spirit of god was actively involved in the writing of scripture um, yeah, yeah. We're we're going to really get into this when we talk about the revelation of God later this season, and we're really going to hit hard into this topic when we get into bibliology. I think maybe next season, if I'm not mistaken, with that's on yeah, tap, yeah. Uh, to really look at Scripture, what Scripture is, how it's formulated, all these different things pertaining to Scripture. But uh, we and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about this. But suffice it to say, for now, uh, the Spirit was. V- very involved in the writing of Old Testament, New Testament scripture. This is something we're going to talk about next week. Uh, the provision of gifts during Old Testament times. The Spirit pro- provided gifts and abilities to individuals at certain times to bring about the will and direction of God. Uh, the Holy Spirit provided these gifts to, to, to individuals directly as he saw fit. You know, we think of uh, Samson. He gave Samson the gift of strength. Uh, it wasn't his length of hair that gave him strength. It was the covenant he had with God. And so it was the mm-hmm. Spirit of God that really, truly gave him strength. Exodus 31, verses 1 and following, talks about how the Lord also spoke to Moses. It says, look, I have appointed by name uh, Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with God's Spirit, with wisdom, understanding, and ability in every craft, to design artistic works in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut gemstones for mounting and to carve wood for work in every craft. I've also selected uh, Ohaliab. How would you like to have these names in kindergarten? Son of Ahisamach, uh, yeah. I guess that's how you said. I probably massacred that name. Of the tribe of Dan to be with him, I put wisdom in, in the heart of every skilled artisan in order to make all that I've commanded him. So he's talking about building the things for the temple, um, right. the the tabernacle, and he said he gifted these individuals right. with these artistic abilities to be able to do the things needed to do to, to be done uh, for the tabernacle at that time. So God gave certain individuals certain gifts at certain times, 
he also gave wisdom to administrators. Uh, God gifted kings and leaders with wisdom to help them guide the people. Uh, Pharaoh said of Joseph in Genesis forty-one thirty-eight that can we find anyone like this? Talking yeah. about Joseph, a man who has God's spirit in him. And right. in the book of Daniel, uh, Nebuchadnezzar recognized that uh, the spirit of God was in Daniel, giving him the wisdom and insight that that he had. And Numbers eleven twenty-five says, Then the Lord descended in a cloud and spoke to Moses. He took some of the spirit who was on Moses and placed the spirit on the 70 elders and as the Spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they never did it again. Mm-hmm. So we see even in that case that there was a temporary, temporary. granting yeah. of the Spirit to certain individuals. And, Curtis, I think you have another example uh, to mention here as well. Yeah, I was I was just um, in preparation for the podcast kind of going through some things. And one thing that poked out to me was remembering something that was in Luke. And so... Luke, if we know, is a New Testament. It's in the New Testament of the Scripture. So you have the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, But the story that has happened is actually still in Old Testament times, Old Covenant times. So this this person here, um, let me go here and and read it. Um, In Luke 2, um, you can read it. Uh, 22 through 32 if you really um, uh, are there but I'm just going to say this is when Mary and Joseph bring baby Jesus to the temple Um, and so I'm just going to start off there uh, in verse 25 just to highlight that it says now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon and his and this man was righteous and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do, uh, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, quote, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all the people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. It's interesting to me, Brian, how this particular is a actual showing or a actual um, uh, story that that shows that the Holy Spirit dwelt upon or dwelt within people at a certain time for a certain time for a specific thing or for a duration, a certain duration to accomplish one's uh, goal or accomplish information that needed to be. Absolutely. And I think that is the key difference between the spiritual um indwelling of the Old Testament and the indwelling we find in the New Testament period. Because really, the New Testament spiritual age didn't start until the time of Pentecost, because uh, that was when the Spirit fully and completely indwelt within God's people. Now, it's interesting, though, because we see it's uh, prophesied that the Messiah would be called 
the anointed one, the Christ, the Messiah, mm-hmm. which means that this person is the one is one who would have a full abundance of God's Holy Spirit that would never leave him. Uh, it would be it would indwell him and never leave him. And it's just by chance that he also, uh, since the day of Pentecost, shares that Holy Spirit with his disciples, with mm-hmm. his children. And so, but the difference, the key distinction is that while, as you mentioned, while Old Testament uh, saints may have had the Spirit on them for a period of time and for a season to accomplish a certain task, and then the Spirit departed, as believers, we have the gift of having that indwelling Holy Spirit living and abiding with us at all times uh, because ever since the day of Pentecost, because of that relationship that we have with Christ and that mm. empowerment from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So we are truly a blessed people. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? We, you know, and Jesus told his disciples, it's better that I go so that I can, then the helper then can come. So even yeah, though it's part of what he meant on that. Yeah. Even though Jesus was here on earth, it was good that he was here, but it's even mm-hmm. better that he's gone, and we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that unites people all around the world. Yeah, and if you think about it, Jesus is still here with us through the Holy Spirit, as is the right. Father. Um, but he he is that living, abiding presence of God with us, and we truly have that's what made it better, because when Jesus left, the Spirit would come, and when the Spirit came, uh, he would dwell believers for that uh, for that church age that we're a part of even now. Right. Oof. So, uh, <laughs> how did the Holy Spirit work in the life and ministry of Jesus? Oh man, uh, in my dissertation, I really get into some of this as well uh, because of through, through some of the teachings of Jesus in Matthew's Gospel. Uh, but Jesus talks many times about it's through the power of the Spirit, mm-hmm. it's through the finger of God, as He words it, um, through the finger of God that He's able to exercise demons out of individuals and to bring about certain things to pass because it was the power of God that's come upon Him that would do such things. So. Um, we see that the Spirit was with Jesus. Well, let's just go back all the way to the beginning. I mean, the virgin birth was an act of the Holy Spirit. Right. Uh, we see that uh, the descending of the Holy Spirit upon Jesus is his baptism in Matthew 3.16. Uh, you you want to read that for us, Curtis? Uh, Matthew yeah. 3.16, do you have that with you? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's kind of funny. I was right there. So Matthew <laughs> Matthew 3:16 and when Jesus was baptized immediately he went up from the water and behold the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him verse 17 and a voice from heaven said this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased There you That's have a perfect big. picture of the trinity the Father speaking right. from heaven, the Son being baptized, and the Spirit descending upon him as a dove. I mean, that's a perfect right. illustration of the right. triune Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Yeah, and I but have the wrote... Spirit was an empowering force. Go ahead. Yep. No, I was going to say, I have wrote down here a... Uh, uh, in my notes, I, it's the the direction or directed by the Holy Spirit, and he was affirmed by the Holy Spirit dwelling within him. 
Oh, yeah. And yeah, absolutely. Uh, Isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2 becomes a very important passage of Scripture in the life and ministry of Jesus because of the Spirit of God's work in his life. Uh, we even see that the Spirit led and empowered Jesus to face Satan in his mm. temptations in the wilderness. Because right. notice in Matthew 4, 1 and Luke 4, 1 and 2, it says that the Holy Spirit directed Jesus into the situation where the temptation would take place. It's not that God wanted, desired him to be tempted, but it was that he led him there to to uh, to perhaps as an ultimate test, a showdown between him and Satan. Or uh, I mean, there are several reasons why God may have done it. We just really don't know fully and completely. But um, but we do know that Jesus came through that uh, trial and temptation and was really empowered to do ministry after having gone through uh, that uh, wilderness experience. Hmm. Yeah. We, we see that Jesus taught in the power of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Uh, as we mentioned before, Jesus read from Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2, and asserted that it was now fulfilled in him in Luke four eighteen through 21. He claimed that his ministry was a result of the working of the Holy Spirit in and through him. Uh, we see also that miracles and power came through the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's not to say that Jesus didn't have power in and of himself. He did. Uh, but the point is, is that the Holy Spirit was working through him uh, to bring forth these signs and wonders, to bring forth uh, the miracles and power that we see. Uh, Jesus uh, said, uh, well, whenever people were accusing him um, yeah. of of driving out demons by Beelzebub, he says in Matthew 12, uh, verse 28, but if it is by the Spirit of God or the finger of mm. God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So not only was the Spirit involved in, in the miracles and power of Jesus, but he was involved in bringing God's kingdom from heaven to earth in that already not yet kingdom. Mm. Uh, the Holy Spirit empowered Jesus' entire ministry. We see that in John 9-4. And uh, Curtis, you mind reading 9-4 for us, John 9-4? Yeah. Let me get there. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because it says when um, when uh, Jesus, when when Jesus, when the when the devil left Jesus it, while he was in the, uh, the the desert, while he's in the wilderness, it said then uh, it says there that the angels came uh, and ministered to him. So mm-hmm. interesting. So John five, four. Yeah, I just was flipped past. Yeah, uh, chapter chapter nine, chapter nine, nine verse four. four. That's yep. Uh, nine verse four. It says here, um, "We must work the works of Him who sent me." While it is day, night is coming when no one can work. And then it says, uh, "As long as I am in the world." I am the light of the world. Millard Erickson brings up an interesting point about this passage of Scripture because he says, notice that Jesus never grew in the Spirit during his ministry uh, because he already had the full abundance of the Spirit. Now, he grew in wisdom, he grew in understanding, he grew in stature, but he never grew in Spirit because he had a full abundance of the Holy Spirit in and through his life. Because of the perfection of Jesus, uh, he had the... the full amount of God's spirit and presence with him. And that's what made him 
qualified for the title of the anointed one or the Messiah because he was anointed of God, uh, anointed of God in a mighty, mighty way. So uh, you can even see that, see that the power of the Holy Spirit was with Jesus in the resurrection. Uh, it, as it uh, was in Romans, I think Paul says, uh, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives and abides within us. What a powerful statement that is. Yeah. Uh, that that same spirit that raised him from the dead lives and abides within us. Uh, this very active and presence, present in our lives. So mm-hmm. throughout his entire ministry, we see that the Holy Spirit was actively involved in Jesus's ministry. Hmm. Very, very powerful. So. How does the Holy Spirit work to bring a lost soul to salvation? Well, not only is the Spirit necessary, uh, well, not only is the Spirit active in bringing the soul to salvation, His presence is absolutely necessary to evoke such a change. And we see in John 16, uh, 7 mm. through 11, Jesus says, Nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It is for your benefit, this is what you mentioned a while ago, for your benefit that I go away, because if I, if, I, if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will con- he listen. And this is what, when he comes, this is what's going to happen. He will convict the world about sin, mm. he, about righteousness and judgment, about sin because they do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will no longer see me, and about judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. So we see that the Spirit convicts a person of their sin. We see the Spirit extends the invitation of salvation to a soul. Uh, the, the person gives uh, is given the opportunity to respond or reject the Holy Spirit's movement. And we'll talk about that later on in another podcast when we go into the whole issue of soteriology. Uh, but we see that uh, that the person's turning to God in John 16, 8 through mm-hmm. 11. It, it talks about the fact that... Uh, that this conviction can only happen in and through the ministry of the Holy Spirit working upon that person's life. Mm. Uh, we see the whole issue of regeneration. Uh, this is a person's miraculous transformation that is brought forth by the indwelling Holy Spirit. And we can see this in John 3, 3, John 3, 5 through 6, about how this new life, this spiritual life we have in him is uh, completely different from physical. There's a physical birth and there's a spiritual birth. And we've got to have a spiritual birth, Jesus tells us. And so this regeneration happens in and through the Holy Spirit. And um, that's it's one, as I heard a person say one time before, uh, I'm not what I should be, but praise God, I'm not what I used to be. And we can say that as Christians yeah. uh, because of that regenerative yeah. regenerative work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Yeah. Powerful. He he draws us. He changes us. He, he does all the work, man. It's it's amazing. Absolutely. And he so, just we just simply respond. That's and it, some it. people will say, well, that's a work. Well, no, it's not. Uh, it's right. just responding to the work that God is doing uh, in our lives. So is it work when you open your eyes when somebody calls your name when you're napping? <laughs> That's an excellent point, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've, I've, I mean, I mean, we could get down into the whole thing, I guess. But 
Seems kind of we'll silly. Di- we'll get our hands dirty in that topic coming up uh, <laughs> a little later this year. <laughs> yeah. I had a feeling we'd be there. So <laughs> what uh, what <laughs> what kind of work does the Holy Spirit, and this is an interesting, one, what kind of work does the Holy Spirit do in the sanctification process of the believers? So we understand that salvation has uh, three parts process we know that there's the, uh, the, the 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 first of all the justification that happens when we enter into salvation we know that there's a sanctification process as we're being made in the image of christ and then finally there's the culmination of the glorification of our lives right. as we enter into that heavenly abode and one day are risen just as jesus was risen from the dead so shall we Amen. be risen i think we experience part of that glorification and that spiritual abode in heaven before the resurrection, but I think the full extent of that glorification comes when we are risen from the dead and step foot in that new creation that God is preparing for us and uh, man alive. I can't, I'm writing a book on heaven, just got news that I've got a publisher for my book. The, uh, the book is tentatively called Conversations About Heaven, and that's uh, that's going to be something we're going to discuss in that book coming up next year um, about just how there's a whole new law of physics. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't want to get into it now because I will. I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about it when we get to the, when it gets to the publication date. But I, every day you're in heaven is going to be better than the day before. It's going to get better and better and better. Uh, it's like an old man I heard one time told this gospel singing group that came to the church, and he says, "Every time I hear you sing, you get gooder and gooder all the time. <laughs> well, heaven is going to get gooder and gooder <laughs> each and every passing day." So, getting back to the topic. Uh, and, hold on, you hold a, kind you of hold a to... doctorate. You hold a doctorate in theology, <laughs> and, and you're using vocabulary of a backwood porch dweller. Hey, I'm I'm quoting him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good stuff. <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, someone told me so. We send you to school and you eat the books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? Oh my goodness! Yeah. So, what kind of work does the Holy Spirit do in the sanctification process? First of all, we can talk about the empowering work of the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. The Spirit gives power to God's people to accomplish certain tasks, and this isn't—I mean, in the Old Testament times, He gave persons gifts and abilities just to meet those tasks, and the Spirit would depart from them. We have that empowering, uh, that uh, that indwelling Holy Spirit who empowers us continually uh, to do the work of God. John 14, 12, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and he will do even greater works than these, because I am going to the Father, he said. So we can do mighty deeds in and through the Holy Spirit because of that empowering presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, we see the indwelling and illumination of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says uh, in John fourteen sixteen through 17, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. And notice, be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So we have that illumination of the Holy Spirit as he reveals things to us. We have that indwelling nature of the Holy Spirit who is uh, living and abiding within us. 
we see that he's a teacher. John 14, 26, Jesus says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of all everything that I've said to you. And the Spirit of God does that very thing in our lives, reminding us of passages of Scripture we've read, perhaps passages of Scripture we've memorized. Uh, that's part of the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit. Intercessory work. This, You know, we hear about the intercessory nature of Jesus. But in Romans chapter 8, which is probably my favorite chapter in the entire Bible, uh, Paul says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. When we're weak, the Spirit gives us strength. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans or utterings, I think uh, other translations will put it. And he who searches our hearts knows the minds of God, not mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. The Spirit of God intercedes for us on our behalf. We have an intercessor in Jesus. We also have an intercessor with the Holy Spirit. Uh, cleansing and sanctification. Uh, the Spirit liberates us from the law. We see that in Romans 8.2. Uh, we can live according to the Spirit. We see that in Romans 8, 4. And uh, by having the, our mind set on the Spirit of God in Romans 8, 5. Um, the Apostle Paul, however, notes that uh, this process is continual while we're on earth because he even noted in Romans seven fifteen through 20 that uh, he didn't always do the things he wanted to do. And uh, sometimes he did the things he didn't want to do, but he said that was the sin nature still in him as the Spirit's combating that sin nature. So this is this process of sanctification is an ongoing work. And as God cleanses us through his Spirit, uh, purifies us through his Spirit, and makes us more into the image of Christ. Uh, the giver of special gifts. Now, we're going to talk a lot about this coming up next week, about the different spiritual gifts that God gives us um, through the Holy Spirit. We're going to have a whole episode on that. Uh, but uh, he He gives us gifts, and we're going to look at Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and also 1 Peter 4 to see that there's a lot of gifts out there uh, that the Spirit gives us. So this is just a little taste of some of the things the Holy Spirit does for us in, the li- in our lives as uh, believers. Right. And I mean, just think about like um, the moving of the Holy Spirit um, in Stephen when he was uh, at um, um, proclaiming Christ right before he was stoned. Um, he the the Holy Spirit gave him boldness, boldness to stand there mm-hmm. and do that. Um, when Saul was uh, persecuting the church and he was on his road to Damascus, and he got waylaid by jesus then the holy spirit came gave him specific instructions so on and so forth as as time went on throughout his ministry empowering him there's just there's so much there i wanted to point out something that personally has happened to me if we go to john 10 10 go to john 10 10 and i'm going to read something to you and this is something that we've been by I don't know. I've been by several times. I've read this passage probably close to 100 times, maybe more. But there's something that popped out to me when I read it just most recently. 
And here's what I'm talking about, because the Holy Spirit sometimes brings to light some things that we apply or we need to see. Right. So when I read this, it says uh, John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. And I came that that they may have life and have it abundantly. Okay, when I read that, I'm like, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But back up. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. The Lord pointed out or highlighted to me in my eyes the word only. That means that's 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 his only thing that he's going to do is to steal, kill, and destroy. He brings nothing else other than death, thievery, and, and destruction only. And so the Lord highlighted that to me. So you could say the Holy Spirit highlighted a word that I've read past or read in just uh, this passage, and now it's like, whoa, wait a minute here. Okay, so now that adds a whole nother depth to that passage. And that was the work part of the illumination of the Holy Spirit. Correct. Absolutely. That's part of the illumination work of the Holy Spirit, that teaching manner to to bring out certain things. I mean, there's been things as as I'm writing this book on heaven, there's certain things that uh, I've read like you with John 10, 10. I've read numerous things in Revelation, but but the spirit revealed certain things about um, the new creation that I never realized. Until going back and reading it, and so that'll be part of the book when it comes out. But uh, it's just fascinating how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. Yep, uh, truly, He is a teacher unlike any other. Yep, yeah. I mean, I'll never forget one day. Um, <laughs> um, uh, the one day I had was just uh, happened to be talking with the with a person and. Um, you know, they said something uh, to me, and I said, the the Lord is a rewarder of good works. And they were like, what? And so I had I had to explain that and 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 actually gave that in depth of what that actually was and how that applied to their life. They then read went back and read the whole uh, passages, you know, all of the stuff that I pointed out to them, and they came to me and they said, what an amazing thing that that was revealed to me. The Holy Spirit through this revealed to me that that I was working. I was working to get um, uh, to to get privileges from God, but I realized that it was out of my heart. This is what that person said. It was out of my heart and my working that the Lord then. Uh, uh, was proud or was happy with me or was 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 uh you could say um working through me because not because of the works but because the spirit was was being fully um applied mm-hmm. and i thought that was kind of crazy or kind of neat how they were explaining that so absolutely so how does how does the holy spirit uh, use believers today. Well, this question is kind of related to the final question we're going to talk about about whether or not the spirit's still active today. Uh, there are different topics, uh, different uh, theories on whether or not or how the spirit of God works today. But I, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I definitely believe the Holy Spirit is active and uh, is moving just as much today as He was in, in New Testament times and Old Testament times. Um, 
but you know, in my dissertation work, I came across a um, a study on different theories of history. Hmm. And uh, if we understand, if we have an appropriate view of history, we can see how God is moving through us to bring about certain ends leading to the final end in history. So the first viewpoint, there's three viewpoints. The first viewpoint of history is called the nihilist view of history. And in this viewpoint, they see history as being of no consequence. There's no meaning to history because they don't believe there's any purpose to anything. This is kind of more along the lines of a, of um, you could say probably more along the lines of an atheistic worldview, secularist mm. worldview that there, that nothing in if people have no purpose then then history itself holds no purpose. One could say sure. uh, so. So according to nihilism, history holds no value. There's another theory called the circular view of history, and according to this viewpoint, history continuously repeats itself. With no end result. Now, I do believe that there are patterns throughout history, that history does have a way of repeating itself. But the difference between this and the final viewpoint is that the, that the a pure circular world, uh, view of history just sees it goes in, going in patterns endlessly with no end result, never leading to a culmination of anything. And that brings us to the last viewpoint of history, which is the linear view of history. And the linear view of history holds that all of history is being controlled and directed by God to a final end in which the kingdom of God overcomes all kingdoms of this world. And Jesus clearly held a linear view of history, that everything is throughout history and time is funneling together down to a certain point where Christ returns, where, where God's going to establish a new heaven and new earth, where, where judgment happens, where uh, that glorification comes upon the saints of God, leading to that new creation. Again, Jesus held that viewpoint. So that means hmm. that every single one of us matter. Hmm. That means that our callings, even if they, are, if they seem inconsequential to us, they are very major to God. Hmm. Uh, even if you are just cleaning carpets or you're sweeping the floors, and you give a testimony to someone, it's amazing how God can use that to bless someone in ways we never imagined. I go back to this story of uh, of the Sunday school teacher who led a, a young boy to faith. And if you follow, if you follow the uh, lineage, it goes all the way down to Billy Graham. Uh, and, and that shows that how one person, a Sunday school teacher, a meager Sunday school teacher, impacted a person, led a soul to, faith, to, to salvation, who ev- eventually led someone else to salvation, who became a, a big prominent uh, uh, p- preacher. I can't think of the names offhand. Somehow or another, that one impacts, uh, I think, some, some other popular preachers that eventually leads to the one that preaches in Charlotte that uh, was there when Billy Graham came to salvation and and for those of you who know about Billy Graham, there's no telling how many people came to faith through his amazing ministry that he had. Um, so the point is, our lives hold value, meaning, and purpose uh, because of the Holy Spirit moving and, and abiding through us and using us for God's glory. Don't ever think, listen, I'm going to say God has blessed me to, to get a Ph.D., I 
it is a blessing and honor that I don't take lightly. Not everybody's going to be able to do that. But understand, you don't have to do that to be used mightily of God. Right. You could be a, a, a maid cleaning houses and share the gospel of Christ and make far greater of an impact than five PhDs put together ever could. Uh, it really depends on whether we're faithful and obedient to the calling that God has given us, and that's what truly matters. Yeah. So God has a purpose and plan for each and every one of us. The question is, are we going to be obedient to the, to the calling that God has placed upon us? And that truly is the question. Hmm. Amazing, amazing to me when you think about the the people that were affected by uh, Billy Graham and then how that all plays together um, coming from one person prior. Um, man, there's just there's just so much that comes out of all of that. Um, I honestly I honestly think we're in the midst of the starting of a revival. I don't I, I can't so. put I can't put my finger on I can't place it but there's things happening that that um that people are starting to talk more openly about things being inspired to be um I don't want to say bold in the wrong way but bold enough to actually still question or to ask questions now instead of just hanging out behind and and uh it's it's very interesting to me because you're seeing prayer groups and prayers um uh vigils and and such starting to form and things all of those things culminating together i think there's going to be a move of the holy spirit soon i think you're right and i pray so i pray so we need yeah. Another revival in this land. It's been a long time since we we had the Billy Graham Crusades. Uh, the question has been who was going to take his place. Really hasn't been anyone. Um, it may be a collective group, but there may be someone else out there that God uses to do uh, that very thing. Uh, uh, but whatever the case may be, you know, God's got a purpose. God's got a plan, and God is God's will will, will be brought uh, to fruition. And I don't know about you guys, but I just want to be part of that plan. Amen. Yes, I do. So, how was the Holy Spirit involved in the writing of the Word of God? And this is another question we're going to get. We're going to dig in deeper into this issue when we get to bibliology. Um, but for the, but for now, it is important to note that the spirit was actively involved in the writing of scripture. Um, second Peter one to 20 and 21 says this above all, you know, this no prophecy of scripture will comes from the prophet's own interpretation because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And there's one thing I've noticed is going, as we've gone through the book of Daniel, and this is probably my second or third time teaching through the book of Daniel uh, at uh, Fellowship Missionary Baptist Church where I'm serving as an interim pastor. Uh, one of the things I've noticed, though, is that I don't think that Daniel understood everything that he was writing, but he accurately conveyed to, on paper what the Spirit of God was revealing to him uh, through his personal interactions with God. So, uh, and this is what Peter tells us, uh, that the prophecy of Scripture did not come by uh, a person's own interpretation, but came by 
the the accurate transmission of of, of spiritual revelation. Um, Acts one sixteen through seventeen. I think it's Peter speaking here. Says, brothers and sisters, it was necessary that the scripture be fulfilled, that the Holy Spirit through the mouth of David foretold about Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus, for he was one of our number and shared in this ministry. Uh, notice, though, he says that the Spirit uh, wrote Scripture through the mouth of David, and he foretold about Judas's mm. rebellion. Uh, because of that uh, that movement of the Spirit through David. Uh, and then, of course, there's 2 Timothy 3.16. Again, we're going to come back to all of this when we get to bibliology. But uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is inspired by God. Theonoustos, God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed, inspired by God, and profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so uh, we see that the Spirit was actively involved uh, in the uh, writing of Scripture. And in going back to Second Peter, um, where you mentioned uh, verse 21, um, no prophecy or no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And that that word carried, if you got um logos pulled up, that's a that's a active word. That's an action word, if I'm not mistaken, correct? So this is second Peter uh one twenty. Yep. One twenty one. It'd be one twenty one. Carried along, it says moved or carried along well let's just see here my point being is that's a um it's carried along that means it's being it's being moved of the spirit is moving moving it along like a ship Uh, it looks like it's enekthe is the word uh, came by, and this is defined as to influence others, as to cause them to follow a recommended course of action, to guide, to direct, to lead. Uh, so uh, is that the word you're talking about? Yeah, carried along right down below. Yep, we're, we're carried along. looks like yep. this word. Yep. Hmm. Oh, carried along. Okay, wait a minute. Um, you were on came. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. And this one would be pheromonoi. Uh, pheromonoi is to, to uh, influence others as to cause them to follow a recommended course of action to guide, to direct, to lead. Uh, so it's um has that essential nature of being. To be carried along, guided, directed. So as the so to speak. as the spirit would move, it'd be like a sail on a boat moving in a certain direction. It would you wouldn't take away the the personality of the person writing the the prophet or what have you, but it was it was um, it was steering it in a direction. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. So. Uh, Last question here, Brian. Is the Holy Spirit still working today? 
<laughs> well, and that is that is a good question. And for this, I want us to look at four theories uh, as we wrap this up. Well, we might as well just open up a can of worms as we end the podcast. <laughs> Why not, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's four theories uh, regarding the working of the Holy Spirit uh, divided into two camps. Uh, one is cessationism. Uh, which is the belief that uh, the Spirit has stopped working in the same manner that he did in the New Testament church. And then there's also what's called continuationism, uh, which means that the Spirit continues to work as he did uh, in the uh, first century church. And I won't go through the theories, and we'll give you, I'll give you what my opinion is. Uh, that it'll be part of Chiltonology, if you want to call it that. <laughs> <laughs> and Curtis will give you his opinion on it as well, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, the fourth theory, strong cessationism. Uh, strong cessationism is the belief that the Spirit's activities from the New Testament have almost completely ceased. Uh, that they that there that there's no that, that there's no way that he continues to move today as he did uh, back in New Testament times. Uh, there's also what's called soft cessationism. And this is the belief that some of the Spirit's activities since the New Testament times have ceased, uh, but that some of the other ones, such as miracles, may have continued. Mm. Then there's what's called soft continuationism. This is the belief that the Spirit's activities have continued since the New Testament times, but this doesn't demand that a person must exercise certain gifts or that all offices have necessarily continued. Uh, but the, the Spirit of God continues to work now as he did in uh, days gone by. And then there's what's called strong continuationism. And this is the belief that all the Spirit's activities have continued since New Testament times. Uh, but they may, th- this group may say that certain gifts are mandatory as to be evidential of the Spirit's moving. So there has to be certain gifts, uh, such as speaking in tongues, that must be mandated to show that the Spirit is truly working. Um, in my research of Scripture, uh, I, I've come down to the theory of soft continuationism. Uh, I believe that the Spirit is moving today just as strongly as he did back then. Um, I believe that God is still healing people. We don't see it every day necessarily. Uh, but you didn't see it every day in New Testament times either. You didn't see, you know, we have recorded for us the miracles in the New Testament times, but when you look at those miracles compared to all the other sicknesses, all the other things that happened, uh, they're recording the amazing moves of God. Now, has does God still continue to do miracles? Absolutely he does. I mean, well, there's a case on television where a guy in our community uh, was thought to have been dead. Uh, they were getting ready to harvest his organs because he was an organ donor. And right before they did, the wife says, stop. He's not dead. He's not dying. And they looked, and sure enough, he started having brain waves come back. And last they heard, now he's moving his eyes. It's a complete miracle of God what's happened. Uh, if you don't believe miracles don't happen, read Craig Keener's two-volume work called Miracles. Uh, he gives numerous cases of miracles that have happened in modern times. Mm. Um, now, I don't think that you have to have necessarily something happen as as uh, to be mandatory to to uh, serve as a prerequisite for the move of the Holy Spirit. In other words, I don't think that there has to be necessarily one particular gift that mandates all others. Uh, but I do think the Spirit of God continues to work 
uh, just as he did in the New Testament times. So that's why I I fall in the in the camp of soft uh, continuationism because I do believe. In fact, I've just seen the Spirit move in ways uh, that's just baffled my mind. I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I used to be, in years gone by, I used to be a soft cessationist. Uh, but I've since jumped into the continuation camp because it's because of some of the things I've seen and witnessed with my own eyes uh, to see how the Spirit has moved in, in an amazing way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, <laughs> can of worms here. I'm, I, I, I'm gonna. I, I, I kind of throw it all in. I say that. I say it's it's full continuationism, uh, barring um, the the quote unquote um, speaking in tongues as the evidence of the indwelling or the empowering or the moving of it. I do think that there is speaking in tongues. I do think there is uh, certain times where um, people are indwelt with certain types of uh, giftings that are only purposed for one or two applications. Um, I, I, you, you can't, you can't see revival happening in all, all other parts of the world and the moves of the Holy spirit and the healings and the things going on and not say that God isn't moving. Um, mm. I, I truly do believe that um, we as a church, big C church need to um, really, um, I personally feel we need to just, just stop wanting to um, categorize it um, one side or the other and just let the spirit move. And I truly do believe that, that there is um, healing in our midst. There are things that, um, that have happened um, that are unexplainable things that uh, people being, you know, fully diagnosed with stage four cancer. And by the time they go in to get uh, um, their second MRI, it's fully gone. And and the doctors have no explanation for it. Um, Everybody is astounded, Um, you know, and it's so I, I personally believe that the Holy Spirit is and can and will move in amongst his people, um, whether one to show them or whether two to build faith. I truly do believe that there is a move of God that is in our midst right now. I was trying to think of the guy's name. Unfortunately, the problem is that um, even with past moves of God, there have even been people in the Christian church who have stood against it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it really surprised me to learn of uh, which Jonathan Edwards was a strong Calvinist. It's amazing that uh, you know he was, but he was fully open for the moving of the Holy Spirit, fully open for um, God moving in the way He did. Uh, but it seemed like I was trying to think of the guy's name. I, I saw Solomon and Williams. I don't know if that's the guy's name or not, but uh, I think you caught, they called him Ironside or something like that. Uh, um, I, can't, I can't think of it. My goodness, it's, it's going, that's going to drive me crazy for the rest of the night. But anyhow, <laughs> there, there were these preachers who opposed um, 
the moving of the Holy Spirit and the Great Awakenings. Mm. There were individuals who stood against that. So I, I think that may be the reason why there are some people who just, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to categorize people. I don't want to speak uh, on behalf of someone else. But I do think that there is a resistance in some in some areas for some people for whatever reason when the Spirit starts moving. Hmm. Uh, it's been my experience when the spirits moves, you, you got to look around the corner because <laughs> the devil's going to try to sneak in. <laughs> yeah. And it seems like it, it happens even with past movings. But but I'm with you. I think we're on the uh, brink of another great awakening. Um, um, and I think that uh, I think we need to be open. You know, I, and I agree with you. We need to be open. Uh, everyone in the Christian church needs to be open uh, for a move of the Holy Spirit because he's done it before and he can do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. Um, we just opened up a can of worms and we're going to leave it right here where it sits and let you let that let those worms wiggle. <laughs> oh, man, there we go. So, but we here at Bellator Christie want to thank you for spending time together with us and we value that time. Our prayers that this podcast helps stretch your mind and has become a place to strengthen your faith as we strive to create an atmosphere of discussion and as a reliable source of information. Join us next time on the Bellator Christie Podcast. Until next time, Brian and I say, soldier on, friends. Soldier on, friends. You've been listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast with Brian Chilton and Curtis Evelo. This podcast is an exclusive production of Bellator Christie Ministries and is protected under Creative Commons copyright, all rights reserved. The views expressed on this podcast may not reflect the opinions of Bellator Christie Ministries and its affiliates. We thank you for listening and hope you'll consider leaving a positive review. To see more from Bellator Christie Ministries, go to bellatorchristie.com.